Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 4 together. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Hear now God's word. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Suntuke to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace we will be with you. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that we can come together and, and worship you. God, we pray that you will use Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, uh, these words from Paul to the church in Philippi, and we pray that you will speak to our context a fresh word this morning. God, reveal yourself to us. Help us to hear your voice. We pray that you will be glorified. Amen. So, without a doubt, by far, not even close, the thing that I like the least about preaching, by far, is coming up with sermon titles. I hate it. I'm not good at it. I can't think of any good ideas. I generally have to have a title before the full sermon is actually even written. And I'm just not that, that sort of creative. I, I typically don't come up with anything that I think is a good title. And usually I also think it's pretty irrelevant. I mean, how much does the title really impact our service of worship together? I mean, in normal times, you would have a bulletin where it's written there. Maybe some of you um, will, will see it in care mail earlier in the week. So I don't usually, this is confession time, I don't usually put a lot of thought into the title of a sermon. It doesn't usually uh, matter that much. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, this week, uh, I turned in my sermon title on Wednesday because that's when we like to get it out on the sign. And as I was leaving the parking lot Wednesday uh, evening, I looked over and I saw my sermon title up on the, the marquee down front, and I thought, oh, that doesn't really play well down there <laughs> at a sign where we want people to read it and come in and see what this is all about. Instead, they see a sign that just says, keep on going. Don't stop here, just keep on going. Uh, that, that's not the intention behind uh, the, the title this week. It's meant to be, keep on going. 
Paul is excited. He's encouraging his followers to stand firm in their faith. To keep going strong. Not just keep on going. Uh, We're going to walk through these nine verses of chapter 4 of Philippians together. Uh, If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open it to chapter 4. We'll have words on the screen in here. If you have a Bible app on your phone, I'm fine with you pulling that out and using that as we walk through these nine verses together. It starts off like this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Here in Philippians 4, Paul is cheering on the believers in Philippi. He knows these people. He has relationships with them. He loves them. And as his letter is starting to come to a close, he acknowledges that the instructions that he has given them isn't, uh, aren't always easy. It isn't easy to be a Christian. He's closing out his letter by cheering them on, saying that when things get hard, keep on going. It's my hope this morning that we will hear this encouragement from God as well, cheering us on. Saying that when things get hard, and we all know that 2020 has not been easy on a lot of people, it's my prayer that we will hear God saying to us, keep on going. But Paul's encouragement is not just general. It gets specific. In fact, in verses 2 and 3, it gets kind of awkwardly specific. Let's take a look at this together. I urge Euodia and I urge Suntuke to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. I know what you're thinking. Yes, I practiced how to say Suntuke. How would you like it? If you had an argument that was so big, so massive, so epic, that it made it into the Bible. Not exactly what you want to be known for. But here we get Paul calling out these two ladies and telling them to be of the same mind. Unfortunately for us, very little is known about these women, and there is no evidence as to what their disagreement was about. But there are a few things we can learn from this verse. First, and this is not really the point of the message, but a sidebar, um, but I'd be remiss to ignore this. This is one of the passages in Scripture that affirms women ministers. Paul says to Euodia and Sintuke that they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. He includes them with others as his co-workers. I want to be clear here. While your senior pastor, associate pastor, and youth pastor all happen to be guys, the United Methodist Church believes that women are equally called to serve in leadership positions and can serve in any role in the church. Okay, sidebar over. Feel free to email me if that upsets you. Paul's encouragement to this community is to help these two co-workers to be of the same mind in the Lord. 
Now, while we don't know the nature of the disagreement, we can surmise that it was more than just a personal matter. For Paul to address it in a letter like this, it would have been read aloud in the presence of the whole community. You would have to think that this disagreement would have been A, already known publicly, and B, affecting the ministry of the church as a whole. For him to include it in his letter, it had to be relevant to the ministry of that community. Because of this context, it seems safe to assume that Paul is not simply saying that everyone must agree on everything. Thank goodness, right? He's not saying that everyone has to agree on everything, but differences in opinion on some things can be so intrusive that they begin to infect the mission of the church. When Paul is saying to these women, be of the same mind in the Lord, he is saying, put the mission of Jesus that you're both committed to above this matter that's causing the dispute between you. I am 100% confident that each of us could find things that we aren't in agreement on. Some of them are small things. Some of them might seem like big things. You don't have to look very far to find disagreements. You could turn on your TV or look on any social media and you'll see people arguing over things. Sometimes it's ugly. As a church, we aren't going to agree 100% on things. I haven't heard any complaints from anyone yet, but there might be some in our church who disagree with the decision to transition our 11 o'clock worship service to the gym. Yet as a church, we're called to be of the same mind in the Lord. We are called to put our personal preferences aside for the mission of Jesus in our context, just as Euodia and Suntuke were urged by Paul to be of the same mind in their context. Next, in verses 4 through 7, Paul gives some like rapid fire instructions. Uh, it's almost as if he's like getting to the end of his letter and he's got a few more things he wants to say, so he says them quickly. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There are three things he's telling the, the Philippians to, to do or not do. He tells the Philippians to rejoice always, be gentle to everyone, and worry about nothing. I, I love these verses because there's a common theme that runs through all three of these. They're all inclusive. Rejoice, not sometimes, but always. Be gentle, not just to some people, but to everyone. Don't worry, not just about small things, but about anything. Paul is urging the Philippians on towards lives that are so consumed by a love for Jesus that they can rejoice in bad circumstances. They can be gentle with frustrating people. And they can have peace during anxious times. I don't know about you, but there are times in my week when it is hard to rejoice. There are people in my life with whom it's hard to remain gentle. 
there are situations when it's hard not to be overcome by worry. In fact, these three rapid-fire instructions from Paul that are inclusive often seem impossible to me. They are just beyond my understanding. I can't comprehend or understand how to do those things. That is, until we get to verse 7. We are are only able to rejoice always, be gentle to everyone, and not worry about anything when we have received the peace of God. And it's okay if I don't understand how to rejoice, remain gentle, or stop worrying. Because God is able to impart a peace that surpasses my understanding or my lack of understanding. It isn't a matter of trying harder or being more determined. It's a matter of receiving peace. Then we come to verse 8. And Paul says, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Paul summarizes, or includes at least, a lot of his teachings into this little paragraph. All of that that I have taught you, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, think about those things. He encourages the Philippians to set their minds on them, to reflect This plea from Paul to his audience to think and how to think seems a little strange to me at times. But the more I reflected on this passage this week, the more I realized that often I fail to set my mind on thinking about truth or beauty or goodness. Actually, we live in a world that is training us to do just the opposite. If you've seen the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, you realize that it's one of the goals of a lot of our entertainment out there right now to get us to stop thinking. The goal is actually to get people to stop thinking and keep swiping or doing whatever it is they're doing. The documentary is made by um, a few people who helped start a lot of those companies, or at least were employees in the early days in Google and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. These employees that were a big part of the, the starting of all of these things eventually looked around and got kind of sick of the things they created. They looked around and realized that the, the, the processes that they are using are actually changing the way people think and preventing them from being able to have real conversations. The goal of these platforms or these entertainments is to get people to mindlessly engage. Simply put, we need to hear fresh this plea from Paul to spend time thinking about the truth intentionally. And then the last verse from Paul is this. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. 
Paul ends this section of the letter by telling the Philippians that even when things get hard, keep on going. Keep on doing all these things. And he uses four verbs to describe the things he's telling them to keep doing. And this is one of the times when you're reading Paul and you think, did you really need all of those words to say what you were saying? He can get kind of wordy. These four verbs, he's keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. He wanted to enforce the concept that the Philippians had been fully instructed in the way to live the Christian life. They learned it. It had been taught to them. They received it. It had been given to them. They heard it preached, and they saw it in Paul himself. They saw an example of how to do the things that he had taught them to do. They've been fully instructed, but now it's up to them to go out and put these things into practice. I've, I've heard from several people over the past few weeks that they're just feeling worn out. Some of you here might be saying you're feeling the same way. I talked to people after the first couple services we've had this morning, and we've got a lot of people that are just feeling worn out. And I'll admit, at times, I'm feeling worn out too. This pandemic is not easy, is it? It's not easy to not really be able to embrace friends the way we're used to. It's not easy to to not be able to see people's faces fully. I'll tell you, it's not always easy to preach to a camera in a sanctuary with people where you can't really tell if they're listening or not because their faces are covered. Some of us are just worn out. Some of us need to hear from Paul. Some of us need to hear from God. Keep on going. We're going to get there. Stand firm. I love the way Paul ends verse 9. He tells him to keep on going, but he doesn't end there. Our section closes with the promise of the presence of the God of peace. And I need this reminder, and you might need this reminder, as a way of encouragement, that when all else fails, we can trust this promise, and ultimately it can keep us going. If we're feeling worn out, we need to remember the God of peace is with me and is with you. And he's with our community, our church. Would you pray with me? God, for all of us feeling worn out right now, we pray for new energy. We pray for new passion, new excitement about life and about the mission of participating in your kingdom here on earth. God, we thank you for for the excitement of the transition next week in the 11 o'clock service. God, we pray for your blessings over that. God, we pray that, that each and every person in our community will receive a reminder of your love this week. We'll receive a reminder that you care about them, that you see them, and that you love them. And God, ultimately, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us that never ends. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.